Hey, y'all. This is Lee. And this is Gretchen. And uh, we do not have a regular episode for you today, sadly. Um, we were traveling throughout the month. Gretchen Gretchen uh, just got back from Klexicon. Yes. Very, yes. very gay. Very gay. Super fun. Super uh, fun. Super I'm, gay. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, so no regular episode this week. We were strapped a little bit thin, but we do have some really awesome content for you. Uh, so this episode is our first mini-sode. It's an interview with someone named Sarah Prager. She is the author of a really fantastic book called Queer There and Everywhere. It's like the first history book for young adult, uh, queer history book for young adults, um, mm-hmm. which is awesome that such a thing exists because it's... I mean, these kinds of stories should be available to everyone. And it's got 23 stories of awesome queer people. Some of them are ones that we've already covered, like Ma Rainey and uh, Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz. Um, And then there are 21 other amazing, awesome queer people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, some that were like surprises for even us, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, She's also the creator of a really, really awesome queer history app called Quist, where you download it, you can get it in the App Store or Google Play or kind of anywhere you do your appy thing, and you <laughs> open it up. <laughs> Gretchen's laughing at appy me for thing. my appy thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, you open it up and it'll tell you um, what happened in queer history for that day, which is really super neat. Well, I believe um, today uh, in 2014 was uh, the first day where um, gender identity was put under protection in... Oh, oh in the Constitution of Malta. Yes. 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 Yeah, in Malta's Constitution. Uh, and more fun stuff like that. So uh, we'll, let, we'll let Sarah tell you a little bit more about it. But with that, we hope you enjoy the interview. We'll see you on the other side for our outro. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to History is Gay, a podcast that examines the underappreciated and overlooked queer ladies, gents, and gentle NBs that have always been there in the unexplored corners of history. Because history has never been as straight as you think. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Lee. And today we have a very special episode for you all. We have here with us Sarah Prager, author of Queer There and Everywhere. And we, uh, she agreed to be interviewed by us today. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. We, uh, I I remember like I followed you on Twitter because uh, I love the book and then you followed us back and then was like, oh God, Gretchen, we got to. We got to talk to this person. <laughs> oh She's super rad. She's totally on the same wavelength. This yes. would be so much fun. And here we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. History is super, super not straight and cis. So yes. I am a fan of anybody else who is a fan of that and helps get the word out about that. <laughs> Perfect. We feel so the same. So let's, I know, right? Like that's kind of why we're doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's start with you. What first drew you to studying and working in queer history? Well, being queer probably had something to do with it. Um, Just as much. I, I came out as lesbian when I was a freshman in high school. And um, 
there weren't many slash any openly out um, students at my school when I came out. And teaching myself queer history is kind of how I got a sense of community. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was lucky enough that there were some books in my school library. Um, There was a pink triangle book or two. Uh, And I'm also young enough that I was able to go online to (laughs) find out more. Uh, And so I used my GSA as an excuse to just like push all of this queer history info onto everybody and like had the bulletin board for LGBT history month with all the fun facts and just made totally geeky um, like timelines and all kinds of stuff just for fun. Uh, you sound like our kind of person. Yeah. We write like yeah. 15 page outlines when we're preparing this <laughs> yeah, yeah. episode. I mean, I still make timelines for fun. Like, nice. yes. Nice. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so learning queer history just, it gave me the sense of community. It gave me so much of being able to know that I wasn't the first person to ever feel this way, being able to know that I had these role models of people like me who had done incredible things and changed the world, Mm -hmm. Uh, being able to feel like connect to being part of something bigger and a community and a family and an ancestry and just all of those things were really powerful. And as I started working more in the queer space, as I grew up learning about how a sense of community and all of these things that queer history had given me, it can be a protective factor against suicide for Mm -hmm. young queer people. I was like, history is our secret weapon. Um, It can do so much. It can make queer youth feel better. It can help straight and cis folks um, help to understand that this isn't a fad or a trend, um, that we've made incredible contributions to society. There, there are so many lessons for every political and social implication from learning this history that I just got more and more into getting it out there. Right, right. Well, that leads into our second question, which was um, that you wrote your book, Queer There and Everywhere, specifically to appeal to a teen audience. Mm -hmm. And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but is there any other reasons why you would, why it was important to you to speak directly to the youth, like queer youth or even, or even straight youth? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. um, It wasn't actually even my choice um, who Mm. this book was for. Uh, It was luck that it just got to be who I would want to write for. So uh, I created this mobile app, Quist, mm-hmm. about queer history um, in 2013. And a few years after that, an editor at HarperCollins was looking around for somebody to write at HarperCollins Children's, was searching for someone to write this book idea that she had of there's no LGBT history book for a teen YA audience out there. And I want that to be written. And out of the blue in LGBT history month, um, this editor contacted me. I couldn't believe it was for real. A couple weeks later, I had an agent and a book deal and was like getting a huge platform to bring queer history 
to a generation and it was amazing it just happened to be like um someone from a, a ya editor that contacted me um well, awesome. you know, it's, it's not necessarily a coincidence because I don't have any degrees in history. So <laughs> writing for adults yeah. like, probably wasn't going to happen anyway. Uh, and my writing um, that she had seen online is bloggy, conversational. And so that's what mm-hmm. uh, they were looking for. And so it was a life-changing, incredible stroke of luck that, you know, a lot of people put their unpaid writing on issues they care about out there into the world and not everybody gets the call like I did. And, um, I felt a huge Mm -hmm. sense of responsibility. Mm. You know, I was chosen by this straight cis editor, um, and I'm cisgender and white and I, Mm. it kept me up a lot being like, why, if this is the going to be the only book for teens out there, like, how do I have the right mm-hmm. to choose who's going to be in it and mm. um, how the stories are told? And it was a really emotional process. And I tried to bring in as many people as I could. But to answer your original <laughs> question of it being for youth, I mean, it really is what I was saying at the first question. And, and then just luck that I had the opportunity to talk to the group that I'm most passionate about getting able to talk to. Well, what I, what I love about that too, is that it it makes it accessible in so many ways, right? Like one of the reasons we wanted to do this as a podcast is because so much of the scholarship that we see out there is in, you know, locked up in, in academic journals and you don't, you don't get to tell these stories just as a conversationalist thing of, Hey, look at all these really awesome badasses that we can kind of take their stories and put them onto ourselves and make sense of our own experiences. So that's, that's what I love about the fact that it's for that audience. Well, so when I was working on this app, um, I guess it was five years ago now, like that was the idea was taking all of these, this information for from books and academic language and long chunks of text mm-hmm. uh, and bringing it up. The text in the app is two sentence blurbs and it's meant to be like scanning a Facebook feed or something. Mm, and yeah, I, I like the TLDR. There, I just, yes. <laughs> from there I started doing um, like queer history, social media and queer history, like video tours of different cities and just all these different ways that were not books to get queer history out there. And so like mm-hmm. podcast was totally on my list. I never got there. Um, <laughs> and there's still on the Quist website, I keep a list of um, online free queer history resources and fun things. So there's mm-hmm. like interactive online timelines mm-hmm. of FTM history and awesome. uh, all of this. And it's at Quist. Q-U-I-S-T app, app.com. And if you go to, there's a page there called online resources and it links to um, websites, tumblers, podcasts, like any, all that. Um, so anyone who is wishing that they were part of this conversation as you're listening, you're like, I need to be talking to those people um, that you should go there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome so nice to be able to have that as a resource right um one of the things that we love about your book 
too, is that you included such a wide variety in diversity of people, and you talked about, you know, the struggle in choosing all of those people. Um, but what I love is that you mixed both, like, established queer civil rights pioneers with a, a sort of kind of pulling back the queer curtain on folks from history that readers may never have known ha had queer experiences, which we can super relate to with our podcast approach. So I just, we just wanted to kind of ask, like, why do you think it's important to specifically highlight both of those narratives? I, I'm, yeah, it's, it's all important because it's really interesting. Sometimes people hear queer history and they think history of the queer rights movement mm -hmm. or they, um, you know, other folks might think of like history of all queer people everywhere or, you know, so I wanted to cover queer history really broadly. Um, I define queer as really broadly. Mm -hmm. I don't need definitive um, evidence of sexual activity to include a person in a book, um, in the book. And so this broad lens definitely led me towards including like both our activism side, um, the queer sides of famous people that you might never have thought about their sexuality or gender. And then also just my favorite is the people you've never ever heard of that you're like how have I never heard how of this have I thing? never heard of this <laughs> yeah and I wanted the whole book to just be all of those people and it was my editor's suggestion that was like well it could be really interesting for people like to hear about the queer side of Abraham Lincoln yes. <laughs> and that could help um so yeah I'm glad that it is um a why I, I didn't even want like Harvey Milk in there. I was like, that's too mainstream. Everyone has heard of him. And as I, as I, I was like, you know, if I'm writing for queer teens, like they must know Sylvia Rivera already. So I have to do really obscure people. They, they do not know Harvey Milk and Sylvia Rivera already. The more Which is so I went sad. around, I know right? the more I went around speaking to groups, um, and like through the app and now the book I've, been able to uh, speaking on this topic to groups is a big part of what I do. The feedback I was getting was like Harvey Milk was just as an unknown to them as Mercedes de Acosta or, um, and so whenever it's kind I of like, horrifying to me. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like, just I, so, I mean, I remember doing like a big, I feel so lucky because when I was in high school, I, you know, did a, a history class that actually s we had a module where we really focused on the queer civil rights movement. And I got to do a whole term paper on Harvey Milk. And it just makes me so sad that yes, that's not. I know. Well, I mean, being in the queer history world where you're seeing people tweet about, like, I feel like names like Ma Rainey, mm -hmm. you kind of, you're like, oh, that's a standard go-to we're going to cele celebrate 31 people for the 31 days of LGBT history month. Like the same names can come up a bunch. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Oh, Ma Rainey is going to be too well known in Bayard Rustin. Like people know about Bayard Rustin and like the, my editor helped me to see it's like, they really, really, really don't. don't and yeah. um, these groups helped me to see that too. And it's still shocking. Like I go to, there are LGBT youth summer camps around the country, which are incredible. Uh, mm. And the education level of queer history um, for the majority of youth 
at those camps where they have the op- someone who already has the opportunity to go to something like that, whose identity is so developed that they would want to go to something like that. Um, it's not even knowing about specific people. It's just having the general idea that there is a history at all. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, it's really uh, it was really necessary to have a wide mm-hmm. uh, array of, of types of people in the book to speak to all different um queer history education levels yeah. right do you have do you have a favorite like a favorite story or person or well if they're in the book they're my favorite because <laughs> the you know the 23 is down from a list of over a hundred so oh my gosh. god that's uh, like that's like our list of topics we're like oh god we could talk about this if we could talk about that <laughs> I bet. yeah so that being said when like they're definitely all my favorites um Christina of Sweden has always been a favorite mm. of mine. I would always use them as an example in my talks of like why I say queer history instead of LGBT history or LGBTQ um, because there's so much queerness going on in Christina in both gender and sexuality in like so many ways that, mm. you know, and yet being in the 1600s, they're just none of the labels that exist today existed for Mm -hmm. them and so we could never know how they might have identified today or what pronoun they might choose or um, it's fun to think about but like it's still just broadly something queer going on here Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to this is clearly trans history or asexual history or uh, that's my other kind of favorite thing about Christina is that I've uh, online and from people and in like the book tour and stuff so many people can see themselves represented in a side of christina Mm. like yeah i'm non-binary i'm just like christina and someone else is like i'm a lesbian and just like christina (laughs) and then someone's like i'm bi like christina i'm ace like christina because there are sides to all the different things that they said Mm. or ways that they presented at different times throughout their life or this one relationship they had so like christina has been a symbol for um lesbians for example of being this is a woman who gave up everything over the refusal to marry a man. And that's kind of the angle on the story that's Mm -hmm. taken there. And then, of course, um, Christina is a hero of trans history, where, like, this is an out and proud trans man, obviously. And so, like, Mm. each person... Just, like, endless interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one of the reasons why... Christina's right. just one of my favorites for those reasons. Right. One of the things I love about looking at history is because, like, precisely because they don't have the labels we do, mm-hmm. all of those interpretations are valid. Yeah. Right. Like, right. we don't have to, like, definitively, like, define who this person is or how they identified themselves. We can all just look at these people from history and say, look, I can see a piece of myself in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can, too. Yeah. And that's cool. That totally. we can all, like, in that ambiguity, there's more, like, possibility for seeing yourself. And I love that about, like, studying historical figures because, you know, we don't know how they <laughs> how they would have defined themselves. But that means that I can say that experience looks like mine. Yeah, that cool. experience is validating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You, yep. you mentioned um, just, like, going around to schools and, and organizations as a public speaker on queer history. Do you have um, any 
particular like stories from attendees for those that that really sticks out that kind of solidifies like why you're you're doing this work um it's a good question um you know the last school i went to a few weeks ago was a public school in brooklyn high school and um the student host who brought me to the room where i'd be meeting with the gsa was saying, like, your book started a lot of conversation in my family and Mm. started telling me about how their mom didn't really believe it. And but their dad was like accepting of the idea that there were queer people in history and the discussions that it brought up of Abraham Lincoln and um, people that their parents had heard of um, and then just as a concept. And that was really cool because I thought a lot, I get a lot of responses about, you know, your book meant a lot to me. But when you're talking about it's starting conversations with other generations beyond that and not just to you, but then to the people that you talk to it about, that Mm -hmm. was cool. Uh, But I mean, the number one thing that I've heard a few times that means the most is like, well, you know, while I was still writing the book. Um, this one does stick with me. I got an email after I gave a talk at a Massachusetts um, college and the book wasn't out yet, but they said that they found in the app, they were like, I found that there's this non-binary person who's an elected official um, in the government in Italy in your app just by like searching non-binary or something. And I'm non-binary and I had never thought that that was an option for my life in the future. Like I couldn't picture like politician as being an option for me. And after seeing the picture of that person and like reading about them, like now I can kind of, it's made me rethink what is possible for my future. Wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's that's a pretty good one. Yeah. That's, Oh wow, that's so like that hits so hard. Yeah. Also, yeah. more more yeah. queer people run for office. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, please. Get this. Get those movers and shakers out of there. Get mm-hmm. out there. Get them. Yeah. Uh, that's so great. Yeah. Uh, kind of on the same. I don't know. Same same thread. What do you think is is probably like the most important thing that society and different educational institutions can do to make sure that there isn't continued contribution to the erasure of queer stories? Uh, it. I think coming at history without an assumption of assume straight until proven otherwise mm. is something that anyone can apply to their own look at history and that a teacher can help a class apply mm. to the way that they look at history. And we all do it without realizing it. I think. Um, And so just ever checking to see if you assumed that person was straight and cisgender because you you don't even think about a a person from history's sexuality at first in a lot of cases, unless they're a queer rights activist or something like that. And um, because it might not feel relevant to what their contribution to history was. And so if it's something that's not given a thought, you just assign them default and straight is Mm -hmm. default and um but like actually you know take a step back and think about it I think that's a really easy first step for for anybody to take and that if we apply that 
lens of less assumptions, like that's always going to be a good practice mm-hmm. to, for life. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, if you were to imagine one ideal goal or achievement in writing this book or for people who download your queer history app, um, what does that look like for you? Like, what do you most hope that like readers and users and people who interact with the work that you do take away from your projects? Mm, the first thing that comes to mind with that question is like, they'd be like, you know how Jose used that activism strategy with the buttons and like reading the law and stuff like let's apply this to like here to this school that's not allowing me to bring my boyfriend to prom Mm. or like Mm. be like you know how like after stonewall the activists of the 70s did this like maybe we could try that same strat like i would love for people to just learn direct lessons from the people who've been there in similar situations and because we've learned a lot um over the decades of activism and I hope that this would just kind of inspire people to the needed activism of this era Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely would you say that activism include also includes just like being visible yeah right like being like out and visible and just like existing as yourself in the world and kind of doing what you do for sure for sure because well that's the other thing right is that like some of these people are in the book for being really queer and some of them are just like did an incredible thing and I'm sorry that's my cat um I have cats too don't worry about it (laughs) yeah we all (laughs) that is okay yeah, they always like pick the most cat of three. Just oh my God. Obviously, we have to have three cats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they always pick the most inopportune moments to be like, I'm going to make a bunch of noise right now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, my daughter interrupted uh, an earlier video call. So, like, I've graduated from cats making noise to like, <laughs> toddlers screaming okay um, but right. but i think everybody always appreciates the like the toddler interruption like it's it's That's always true. it's always a fun cute thing and it's always a like oh look you know look at this this glimpse into this person's life so. i know she's really cute <laughs> um, <laughs> um our daughter is named eleanor for eleanor roosevelt oh, by the way no! and- oh, yeah. good I choice oh, so i was good. um pregnant with her while writing the book so, oh wow! Yeah. So like, did you did you get a lot of feelings of like this imbuing this this kind of legacy downward, right? Like as you're you know writing yeah. this book. Yeah. So I mean, this I you know we're trying to raise her to be an activist and stuff. She's one and a half, but <laughs> um, she's science. actually been to plenty of rallies and all kinds of stuff already. Been to testify on bills at our state capitol and stuff. Um, she just, you know, sits on my lap. Um, and yeah, definitely. I mean, the bigger thing while writing the book and being pregnant was more about just like physically being able to do it (laughs) more than like dreaming about like the impact, um, the book would have. But, um, I was writing from the hospital, like wow. being, I was sick 
sick, sick with my pregnancy the whole time. Um, and so it was the hardest thing I've ever done was writing a book. And the hardest thing I've ever done was being pregnant. And then the hardest thing I've ever done is doing them both at once. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. um, yeah. yeah, I can't even imagine. But the awesome thing is like both of those things are done now. <laughs> so like I've created the baby and I've created the book and they don't need to be created again. They're just go. out there in the world being awesome. And I get to be really happy about that, but I don't need to make them. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, so I was thinking about like the child, the world I would hope my child would help to create. And that's a different cat. <laughs> and then getting back to the very original um question oh yeah about just like being how being queer in the world being visible is absolutely activism and it's the activism that I do most for sure Mm -hmm. it can be a really hard choice to just insert your like uh, just trying to coming out is just such a constant process uh and yeah I choose I have uh, you know, partly because of my privilege, but like I, within that context, I, I do make the choice to be visible all that I can. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what I would hope for all the people in the book to be able to have that experience in a history classroom now that they're gone is that like they get to just also be visible and queer while they're doing their awesome life that people are learning about and yeah visibility is what it's all about and all I want is for you know an English teacher or a computer science teacher somebody to just mention like by the way this person was queer like just for visibility and just put that in there and you don't need to read the whole chapter or anything but like for someone like Alan Turing it was a really big part of his life that affected his career in the end and so um, it can be relevant, but, uh, directly like that, but yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It would be nice in, in not just history classrooms, mm-hmm. yes. but you're, you know, you're in a, you're in a literature classroom and you're studying, you know, Jane Austen and Emily Dickinson. You're like, oh, right. Yeah. These women were also sapphic. Also. Um, yeah. or, you know, you're in science and you're finding out about, you know, Alan Turing or mathematicians or anyone like it shouldn't just be in the history classroom like this is something that should be known about anyone regardless Mm -hmm. of whatever their you know role in history was or what their job was yeah literature is such a easy one because there's so many many. (laughs) and so I think and I feel like it's also natural in like an English class like you do learn about the writer's life and personality and stuff when you're studying their work so that's a place where like it would really be erasure to not mention um one of those writers um right i'm so mad that i didn't learn that ann martin was queer until like my early like my late 20s i'm like i grew up reading the babysitters club and then you look back and you're like yeah yeah maurice sendak jeez right how cool is that and like um but what's her name the author of Good Night Moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Margaret Wise Brown. Yeah, thank you. We're, yep. We got. Yep. We've got a, a plans for an we got, like, episode. A queer children's right. 
children's, children's story, like yeah, yeah, like yeah, children, like lit. a children's lit episode. We we'll go through all of the, all of those. Tove Janssen, <laughs> too. Can we can, can we include John Oliver just for the book that he wrote? John <laughs> Oliver for, being queer, but can just we for Marlon like the- Marlon Bundo? Um, that book is on its way in the mail to us right yes. now. I'm so excited. I'm like never like on trend <laughs> with these things where I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm glad people are getting that book. But my wife told me that she ordered it. I was like, oh that's my God, fantastic. Of people who's ordering it. By the time I wanted to order it, it was it was like it had sold yeah. out. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, oh no, yeah. whoa, we got so it. Great. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um. We'll just, I guess, you know, kind of wrap it up here. Um. Do you have, you know, you said you're, you made the baby, you made the book, you're glad those are done now. Uh. But do you have any other projects you're working on? Any anything kind of coming down the pipeline? The uh book that I'm I'm hoping to do another book that is queer history for younger than my last uh, one. I'm hoping to do an eight to 11 year old uh, one that is illustrated. And um, my vision for it right now is like an anthology of like, not an anthology, but like a collection of 50 people with one page about each one and oh, a full page fantastic. of each one. So kind of like, oh, yeah. um, there are a bunch of books like that in the women's history space right mm-hmm. now. Right. Right. And, um, so yeah, I'd like to do a queer one. Oh, that's that would awesome. be awesome. Wouldn't it? I hope. Yeah. I, um, starting to move that proposal forward this week. So well, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed because yeah. that is something oh, yeah. that I know that I would love to see and well, give to many young people in my when life. When that one comes out and we can talk. Yes. Oh, and you guys will need to put it in your children's lit episode. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be so much fun. Yay. Oh. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for talking with us. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or, or mention that we haven't discussed yet? No, I mean, the, the, the app is still out there and free. It's Perfect. Q-U-I-S-T, Quist, um, for Apple and Android and Windows phones and tablets. Um, Perfect. The book is on sale anywhere, like um, Amazon or your local independent bookstore, if you can support, support them. And uh, I'm at sarahprager.com, where there's info about speaking and more info on the book. And then my my other writing, I, I have another piece or two coming out in some publications soon. And if you follow me on Facebook and Twitter and my email list, you can be sure to see them. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. This was so much fun. Yay. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe if you would be at all interested, we do have an episode planned with uh, Queen Christina. If you want to come back on and be a guest host. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I would just be like, fan, 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 <laughs> fan. I am a fan. <laughs> we would love to have you back on. Yeah. Maybe I could do that. I, you, yeah. You know me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll email you. I mean, you, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be like letting you out to dry with, you know, just having you, you know. <laughs> we, yeah, we, yeah. we have like look we mentioned that we, we, we write like 30 either. page outlines okay <laughs> we, we have plenty of material <laughs> very cool um, thank you for what you're doing this thank week. you oh, yeah. yeah 
I mean, it's you like you got you got it out there. You got the opportunity to get it published. Like that's that's where so much of like that real work is doing and getting it out of like university libraries. Like I was talking with Gretchen, and totally. we just you know yeah. we're we're after we hang up here, we're gonna be recording an episode on someone that neither one of us knew about. And Gretchen, you know, we weren't finding a lot online, and then we got like a treasure trove of stuff that was from JSTOR, and it's like, why yeah, is this just not everywhere? Right, and JSTOR is behind a paywall. The only reason I have access to it is because I can still get into my university library from when I did my master's degree. I'm so jealous. <laughs> you know, I but like, it. yeah. yeah like, no, this, it, there is such a need for this information to actually be made accessible. Like, you can talk about that in all kinds of fields, but like here, like it really is. It's not, if you don't write it up and put it in a podcast, people are never going to hear about these people. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. It's yeah. so important. I think the internet too is like so so integral in in spreading this information in ways that it you know wasn't before because it is out of that you know that really strict academic access. Yeah, it's people can just go online and find a podcast, find a website. Like there's you know there's been some really great yeah. you know there's great folks all over doing it, and I just want more 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 all of it and it'd be amazing if it could all be centralized which is why i love you you know the fact that you on your website have a running list of all these places people can go yeah so that's fantastic um yeah Yeah. it's well i'm glad we're all on the same team yeah so (laughs) um awesome well thank you again so much yeah thank you All right, that was fun. Yeah, she was really cool to talk to. I'm so glad that we reached out to her. I know. I love meeting other, like, queer history nerds because you're just, like, can go off for a while about awesome stuff like that. It's great. Oh, yeah. No, we could. We probably could have talked, you know, for ages more. And we will. And we will later when, uh, when she shows up on the podcast again, as I'm sure will happen, as you heard. We've got a we've got a guest possibly lined up for, for Christina of Sweden. So look out for oh, that. Yeah. Oh, I'm very excited to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, so wrapping up here. So you can find us online individually. And once again, I am Gretchen. And when I'm not talking about gay history, I am writing nerdy media analysis and fangirling over Steven Universe, Star Wars. Um, my current uh, favorite thing right now is that I got a poster signed by Erica Luttrell from Steven Universe. She's the voice actor of Sapphire. So um, I'm probably like staring longingly at it and and feeling happy feelings and sad crying. Um, happy crying because of Steven <laughs> Universe. Um, and you can find me. I do all of that stuff for thefandamentals.com or my personal website, gnellis.com. Or you can find me on Tumblr and Twitter as at GNLSWriter. And I'm Lee. And when I'm not nerding out about old-timey queer folks and randomly going into the DM boxes of other people wanting to talk about old-timey queer folks on Twitter, uh, I'm usually talking about comics and queer TV over at A Paradox in Flux on Twitter and probably watching really gay stuff on my couch. Good things to do. Good things to do. Mm-hmm. History is Gay Podcast can be found on Tumblr at History is Gay Podcast, Twitter at History is Gay Pod, and you can always drop us a line with questions, suggestions, or just to say hi at History is Gay Podcast at gmail.com. 
And if you're enjoying the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast or podcasty thing, wherever you do your podcasty thing. Um, <laughs> it helps more people find the show and we can expand our community, um, meet new people, maybe do some awesome new interviews. So Yay! if you could do that, that'd be great. Yeah. Keep sending us emails. Yay! We want to hear from more of you. Tell us tell us your favorite person from history yes. that you want to hear us talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and with that, uh, that's it for History is Gay. Until next time, stay queer and stay curious.